a reading from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then 12 through 17. Blow the horn in Zion. Give a shout on my holy mountain. Let all the people of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and no light, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread out upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes, unlike any that has ever come before them or will come after them in centuries ahead. Yet, yet, even now, even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, and with sorrow. Tear your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, very patient, full of faithful love and ready to forgive. Who knows whether he will have a change of heart and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? Blow the horn in Zion, demand a fast, request a special assembly, gather the people, prepare a holy meeting, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the groom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the porch and the altar, let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep. Let them say, have mercy, Lord, on your people. And don't make your inheritance a disgrace, an example of failure among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? The word of God for the people of God, we say together, thanks be to God. Friends, please pray with me and for me. Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, speak to us as a faith community and speak the word that each of us individually needs to hear. Holy Spirit, may all that I say point us toward greater union and intimacy with you, the lover of our souls. Amen. We read that scripture and we know full well what's going on in our world and has anything really changed? The world's stuck. Um, stuck in these continuous circles of violence, continual circles of brokenness, continual circles of oppression, circles of stomping on people's rights, circles of racism, sexism, every other type of ism. So thank God for these ashes. 
thank God for this journey of Lent. Ash Wednesday, but this year especially, right now, um, it's an opportunity to begin the journey once again toward wholeness. To reject identities that we thought we needed that are related to what we do with our life, what we possess, identities that are ultimately many times rooted in power and privilege, even though we're not aware. And even as we cling to these identities, the reality is they do us no good. So repentance, it's an opportunity to turn around from those identities, turn around from that temptation that we have to adopt those and to walk toward wholeness. Now, at least when I read that passage from Joel, um, it sounds very urgent, and it is. Um, what was going on in that ancient world like today is pretty urgent. Um, but if you were to ask Joel, um, I think what he would say is that urgent does not mean that it's meant to induce fear. It's meant to awaken us, to give us an awakening that motivates us to enter into something different, something new. The first chapter in the book of Joel, um, it's mainly a chapter about lament, the recognition that this is not right, what is going on in the world. And part of lamenting is recognizing reality. You can't truly lament something unless you recognize the reality of it. And right now, clearly we are all praying for numerous things and prayer is so needed. I hope that it has been present in your lives and frankly looking out at who's here, I am very confident that prayer has been a part of your life in recent days. Um, but I hope that eventually um, we lament the reality that has brought about the need for these prayers. Lament the conditions of a world that is still tempted to behave the way it is. Because what Joel is telling us is that sometimes it gets to such a destructive point, there's nothing left to do except throw ourselves at the mercy of God. When we've made such a mess of the world, when we've made 
a mess of our lives, sometimes the only option left is just to throw ourselves at the mercy of God. And then we realize that God is more merciful than we could have ever imagined. And I think we would all say, if someone asked us out there, well, do you consider God merciful? Of course. And we receive that mercy by entering into repentance. And we know that mercy and forgiveness is there, but we're so reluctant to repent. Why is that? Um, why don't we enter into repentance more willingly? Now, perhaps in... This is just one hypothesis. There are a lot of different um, reasons for this that I think are worthy of discussion, but one hypothesis for me is that we refuse to repent because we can't see other possibilities for our world. We can't actually imagine a world or even our own personal lives free from brokenness and sin. Because it's hard to imagine something that's outside of what we have always known. We can't picture a life or world when we've never experienced it. And we can't picture God except for how we have understood God to be, which is always limited because we are limited and finite beings. So as badly as we want something new in our life, which I think we all want something new in some way, we're also afraid of it. Because we can't control new things. And the reality is, is that repentance is actually turning around to a new thing. Because that's what repentance is. It's turning around, going one way, turning around, and going a new direction. And if you're out there going down the street and you turn around, you can't entirely see the road before you. You don't know everything about the new direction. This new journey will bring new experiences, and that means they're unknown. And that scares us a little bit. And yet that is the call of Jesus. Just like John the Baptist says, repent and believe the gospel. Turn around, go a new direction. And now for Jesus, in these 40 days, going in that new, well, Jesus didn't have to repent, but stay with me here. The direction Jesus goes in his own original Lenten journey is to the cross. And for us, um, the new journey may lead us toward the death of some part of ourselves that we may have been holding on to dearly and we didn't even know about some type of identity or some type of need for approval or 
some type of habit that has been destructive in our life. We have so enmeshed ourselves with that identity that we can't imagine that dying. And it scares us if that were to die. But if there's one truth of the Christian faith, it's this. It's that resurrection comes out of death. Whatever God is bidding to come and die inside of us, whatever that may be, you don't have to fear that because out of that death will come resurrection. I don't know if any of you are um, Narnia fans of C.S. Lewis. Um, someday I need to go back and read all those books again. Um, actually, I don't even think I've read them all before, but one of the scenes, especially when it was in the movie a few years ago, that has just been so impactful. Um, it's in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and that has this, truly awful boy Eustace, um, astonishingly unpleasant. While well, Eustace gets caught up in this journey to go to Narnia, and he just keeps being a grade-A rotten pill the whole time. Well, eventually, um, the outside of Eustace starts to resemble the inside, and Eustace becomes this horribly scaly dragon. Well, Eustace starts to realize how messed up he is and how unpleasant being the dragon is, even though that has been his whole life experience. So then the A Aslan, the lion, the great healer comes to him, and he says, helps him heal, offers him an opportunity to do that, but in order to do that, he has to rip away the dragon scales. And Eustace eventually says yes to this. But in the midst of Aslan ripping away all those scales, he cries out in pain, it hurts. But then at the end, all of a sudden, Eustace is a young boy again. And he's free to experience a reborn life again. And he discovers that's who he discovers that was the life he was meant to live all along. Resurrection out of death. And here's the thing with Joel. He's writing about destruction and the need of repentance right now. But he knows there's a future hope. He's not ignoring the reality of the present but he isn't letting it overtake him. And that's the key part of repentance. We need to acknowledge the reality of sin in the world, but we don't need to let it overtake us. Because when we really trust our hearts to God, what um, Joel says, at least in our version, is to tear your hearts and not your clothes. In other words, we don't just give God an offering to look good, but to let God transform us from the inside out. That's when we discover there's room for something new. And that's who God actually created us to be. It's the person who God delights 
in the true you. It's the person who is beautifully crafted in God's image. And it's you. Amen. Now hear this poem titled Changer um, by Adrian Trevathan. Cover me with ashes. The thick smoke suit of the earth. Make my breathing like the journey from death into life. Second by second, prayer by prayer. Cover me with a cloak. Bring me low to the earth. Your justice whispering to me like the gleam of red rocks. The colors dancing in the darkness. Let me know the power of sage and cedar in my bones. Not that I may trap them there, but bring them forth in words. Cover me with darkness, with the presence of my elders, their tears falling around me, reminding me of why we are here, sighing, groaning with our singing, longing to hear, hear us into being, stretching us beyond breathing and praying and weeping. Cover me with mercy. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Like the woman who channeled every ounce of courage and dignity to touch your cloak and find new life. Breathe unto me life anew, a possibility of beauty, of balance, of grace. Cover me with mud. Bring me to my lowest state, so that in my weakness I see your strength. The reflection of your eyes and the brokenness around me. The fullness of your love in the depths of our hearts. Cover me with ashes, the ashes of my grandmother, who in living her days knew no strangers, worked tirelessly with worn hands, and lifted grandchildren high into the air. Cover me with mercy. Let my cheek come to rest on the cold earth, its faithful presence a call to walk humbly, beyond myself, beyond my fears, and ever on the red road that leads to your love. Kairos, changer, cover me, cover me with ashes, change me. Amen. Friends, you are now invited to move forward. And thankfully this year, um, COVID conditions have improved. Um, I'm happy to... Um, make the cross on your forehead but if you are more comfortable um not with no contact i also have q-tips here and i can do it through that um please feel free to ask it for whatever way you're comfortable with okay we now come forward to receive the ashes
And you are now invited to pick up, um, look in front of you, The Faith We Sing. It is the thinner um, paper book. Turn to uh, number 2152, Change My Heart, O God. Friends, just a few um, quick announcements uh, to share with you. Um, the first would be um, that we do have some luncheon devotionals uh, hot off the press. They still need to be put together. Um, if you would like to stay just for a few minutes so that I could put fold and print one together for you, um, they are now available. Um, these have been made free for us through um, a grant in the Michigan Conference. So. Um, great materials to help make this season more meaningful. Um, also, I um, think this was discussed at our OWLS group a few weeks ago, um, but there is an opportunity to read for the students at Lottie Schmidt. Um, now, we can't do this with the kids. Um, they're still not allowing in-person volunteers at the school. But we can go over there and have them record us. Um, so this is a great outreach opportunity for us. Um, I'm going there Tuesday after school. I can make contact with the principal and see if others can are interested in that as well. It's a great opportunity to connect us with our neighbors, serve them, and um, I think I'm. I think all y'all, parents and grandparents, nothing more valuable than reading with a kid. And this is a new way to still do it today <coughs> and um just a few more things about this about well not even this coming sunday but even right now and what we're going to be doing donna can should know Um, it's supposed to be 
two times a day, 20 minutes. I'm up to one time a day, 20 minutes. And I came tonight, I had set up a couple of areas where we, that are quiet within this building, which is our holy place, right? So I went into the, the library set up with a little candle in there. And it was very meaningful to sit and do um, the centering prayer. And I set up another one on this side of the nursery. And we're thinking about, you could go up on the bench or sit at the window. And anytime, maybe during the day, that you feel like you need to sit with God in a holy place that, that is yours, um, come and take advantage of it. And um, as the Sundays go on, we're going to be practicing it and introducing it in, in a little more in-depth. For me, it's very powerful and very meaningful. Um, and, and there's a lot of um, literature and so forth behind it that we're, we're going to be experiencing. So. Thank you. Friends, we came to dust, and we will go to dust. But my goodness, does God love dust. So go out, knowing that you are loved, and that, yes, God calls us to turn around and walk toward that love, even when we can't see where it may lead us. Go in peace, friends. You are loved. Amen.